Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast, where we bring you the best growth strategies from the world's experts to help build your business fast. And now, here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast. Joining me today is Michelle Olivier, and we're going to talk about building your own personal brand into a rock star brand and also how that could potentially help your business. It's helped mine. I'm sure it's helped Michelle's. I'm, her, I'm sure it's helped her clients. But the key is, how do you do it? I have my way, but my way is a little outdated. I haven't really been focused on it for the past couple of years just because of how busy I've been. But I wanted to bring on an expert to talk about how you can do it. And if you don't find you have the time for it, well, you can hire somebody like Michelle. So with that, Michelle, can you introduce yourself in a hundred words or less, and then we'll just jump right into it. (laughs) Sure, Mark. No problem. Um, I have over 20 years of experience in recruitment and HR. um, And along the way, I'm also a certified career coach. Um, And what I, I do now is I work both sides of the desk. So I work with organizations to help them do a better job of uh, talent attraction, screening, and retention. And then I work with the talent themselves, so individuals to help them do a better job of getting attracted, (laughs) screened in, and retained. Um, In particular, within my company, I'm the one that uh, works with all of our executive clients, um, just because I have so much experience in the field, um, and I do executive coaching for people from, you know, F500 to small organizations and kind of everything in between. So that's me. Wonderful. And so why should anyone uh, trust what you're about to tell us in terms of personal branding? Yes, you've got a background in career development and all that. What what gives you the, the experience in order to teach us how to develop our own personal brand? That is a great question, and that is the question that people should be asking a heck of a lot more often. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Believe it or not, most people trust the fact that I have a website that says I can do that and and take that as as read. So that is a smart question. Um, the answer is that um, you want to when you're hiring somebody like this, you want to hire somebody that fundamentally understands the executive search. Uh, process, which is totally different from any other type of uh, employment and, and process. And the only way to understand that is to have designed those and have gone through them, both guiding candidates through them and running them for organizations over and over and over again. So because I know exactly how an organization is thinking when they go out to look for a new executive and I've guided the candidates through the process, et cetera, what it means is that I, I know the game. I've helped make the game, which means it makes me a great person to teach you how to play it. Does that make sense? Right. And, and so if you know the game, you know how to play it, you know what they're looking for. What is it that, uh, why does it matter to have a personal brand in uh, as an executive? Who cares? Because as an executive, we're no longer interested in a hard skill set. You're not an individual contributor anymore. So I'm not looking to know how great you are at accounting or Python development or 
whatever the skill set was that you started the industry with. As an executive, we're looking for somebody who's going to have strategic business impact and is going to drive corporate culture. And being able to articulate how you do those things, what impact you've had in those things before, is really hard to do. And having a brand is all about having that kind of already laid out for them. So that when they go to look you up, it makes it really clear from all of your engagements how you think, how you process, and who you are in those types of ways. Are you a little afraid or are your executives that you work with afraid that if you have too overwhelming a brand, let's just say you're more of a thought leader in the space, do, do you feel like companies that would potentially hire them get intimidated that they've got either too much of a megaphone are they going to spend too much time doing it? What is, what, what, is your, what have you been seeing out there? Well, I think that right now, I, I haven't run into that. It's kind of the expectation that as long as you're doing it in a genuine way, then it doesn't look like it takes as much time as it does, A. But B, I think that um, thought if you position yourself as a, a real thought leader, that you know, you're writing white papers, you're doing TED Talks, that sort of thing, then yes, in that situation, you may place yourself out of some types of roles. But if that's where you are, you don't want those roles anyway. If you're putting that much effort into building yourself as a leader within your field, then you want to go work for an organization that's going to embrace that and let you be a leader in that field. Okay. Um, well, that's a good point. So you, you want to brand yourself, but you probably, if you're going to take it farther than that, like become a thought leader, start writing books and all that kind of stuff, you can expect some resistance from potential employers because of what I've already laid out. And why would you want to go work from somebody? Because if you've got that big of a brand, you could probably develop your own business or opportunities uh, yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You can build okay. your own opportunities or you can work for an organization that's, you know, allied with where you're trying to get to. So a lot of people in that space choose to be independent consultants, um, choose to, you know, create their own business at that level, um, or they become board members, that sort of, you know, uh, executive advisors to organizations rather than, you know, a, a payroll executive. Uh, but it's unusual for people to take it to that level. What people don't realize is any time you have a VP or executive anything in your job title, you need to have a searchable, identifiable, professional brand. The first thing anybody is going to be doing is looking at your LinkedIn presence, is going to be Googling you to find out what else you've done in the greater universe. So like it or lump it, you have a brand. It's just whether or not you are in control of what that message that brand is sending and whether or not you're actually writing the narrative yourself or letting it be written by your inactivity. All right. So now that we've got kind of a foundation laid, Let's move more towards how you do it. And I like, to, I like illustrations. So let's say I am a junior marketing executive and I'm looking for work and I don't have anything. You do a Google search on me and there's like three results. So we're starting from ground zero. What do you recommend that individual do? Sure. 
So the, you start with the low-hanging fruit first, right? So the easiest thing to do and the easiest place to start to build a presence is always LinkedIn. People give a lot of advice about LinkedIn and they talk about, oh, you know, you with the five and five rule about you need to have five pieces of activity across five days. And that's a good start. But for this kind of branding, it's not good enough to, you know, post some inspirational meme or a, hey, let's connect or something. It needs to actually be a substantive post that you have authored. At the same time, LinkedIn gives you the opportunity to publish articles on there and to host um, sessions you want to get involved with groups. Get your name in the professional community that way. On top of that, if you whatever other things you're already interacting with have, again, low-hanging fruit in them. So there's Slack groups, if that's what your organization uses, or there's professional groups, even during COVID, <laughs> that you can join to start to get your name out there. You want to find yourself being a guest blog uh, on any number of professional websites. You want to find yourself being invited to speak. All of those types of things where you're having the opportunity to share vision share strategy and share direction, that's what you want to do. And you want to do it in a public space as much as possible. You also have to drive all the rest of your social media. So you need to have a Twitter account where you're making insightful comments. It's not enough to just be present. You can't just post pictures of your cute dog or kid. <laughs> you actually have to have things that are substantive and relevant to your industry. All right. So that's, but let's just say that's that's step one. What's step two? So after that, then you begin to leverage that. So once you've started to build that sort of a baseline, now you're going to look for next steps. And next steps are things like, hey, you know, I have 15,000 Twitter followers. I'm going to approach um, these three magazines and say, I'd be happy to write a guest article for you. And they bite your hand off and say, yes, please. You do the same thing and you sign up for the or, uh, all the different organizations that um, are looking for guest speakers or contributors to periodicals and articles and that sort of stuff. All of those places then gets your name out more and more. And as you're doing that, that positions you to be to have more of that thought leader influence. The other thing you do is you connect with other people at the position that you're looking to go for. So if you want to say, hey, I am, you know, if you want everybody to look at you and say, I'm a marketing executive who really knows the SEO industry, my expectation as a recruiter is that when I go to your LinkedIn, that you have a ton of other marketing executives. And that when I look at your activity, that you're commenting actively on their posts with smart and insightful comments and vice versa. And that that extends beyond LinkedIn. And when I Google you to go to your blog page, that again, you've got people making smart and insightful comments. You've got guest blogs from other people who are at a similar level of position with the industry. So you're going to build networks within that and then take those to that next level where you're kind of cross-promoting each other. Okay. So you're, you're cross-promoting, you're building connections, you're responding to things. And, and you're creating original there, content is the big one. Okay. And then, but how do you know what to create? Well, that has to do with being a genuine subject matter expert. The best, easiest way to do it, what I recommend to my clients is pick something you genuinely care about that is a hot button topic in the industry and 
make that be the thing that you're going to talk about today. So if you are a white guy working in technology, um, right now, DEI is what everybody's talking about. So great. Do a white paper on what you as an executive white guy in technology is going to do to help the DEI situation within your organization and what other people should do as well. Those types of things. Find something that is of a genuine interest to you, that is a topical thing within your industry or the wider market, and then do a little bit of research, form an opinion, and write something. Okay. Uh, got it. And do you have any advice for how do, you, how do you get ideas around that? I mean, for me, it would be look at the pain points that your customers are having. Uh, look at content. If you're, if you're more about connecting with other people, look at content that works for other people that is very connecting. Surface industry issues, that always seems to bring in uh, a lot of opinions and, and a lot of people. Uh, but do it in a, a human and, and do it in a non-corporate speak type of way. Seems to be what I find to work. Any, any comments yeah, I on think that? Yeah, I think all of that is... is- is pretty sound advice. I think the big thing right now um, that's tough for some of my clients is that we're seeing a migration away from the old perception of executive of this, you know, buttoned up suit, stiff upper lip kind of, you know, really formal persona into organizations looking for executives that are approachable, that are human, um, and that come from a really authentic place. So all of a sudden, we're glorifying executives who are willing to admit failure um, and shortcomings that are willing to have honest and real conversations about things like, you know, burnout and mental health issues in the workplace, etc. And I think that that ongoing trend and shift is, like I said, I think that's something that some of my clients struggle to engage with because it's pretty anathema to how they came up within the industry. Uh, In terms of finding something to get inspired about and excited about, I think that focusing on industry or client pain points, always a good starting point. If you've got something unique or insightful to say there, heck, go for it. But otherwise, you can just pick on things that are sort of in the public eye. You're not going to go far wrong with that. If you, right now, people are talking about the fact that... um, you you know, with all of the turmoil politically, whichever side of the fence you fall on, there's a lot of turmoil and uncertainty. There's divisiveness within the country. A huge part of what executives are expected to do is to impact the, the culture of the organization they work for. How the executives behave, think, and act drives the reality for all of the people that work underneath them. And so having focus in your branding about what that looks like from you and how you're going to drive that is super important. It's really important in your branding that you don't just focus on strictly, hey, here's the hottest marketing techniques going, but that you also talk about and acknowledge the impact you have on the people and culture of the organizations and where those things come from. Okay. Good. All right. So we're putting out content. We're starting to build a little bit of a name for ourselves. Do you look at this as employment insurance or do you, do, how, are you how are you motivating these people 
that you're working with to, to keep going? Because what if they're in a job, you yeah. know, or they find a job? Uh, and uh, uh, let's start with that question. Well, I mean, <laughs> um, I find that they're pretty self-motivated <laughs> since most of the people that come to me are coming to me because they're looking for a job or because they're trying to make that bump into the executive suite. So yeah. like, well, like you said earlier, that is the problem with that is, and sorry to interrupt is yeah, no. you can't wait. If you're listening to this, you, you shouldn't wait. I mean, especially nope. now, because th- then it's going to take you six months to a year to build up that, that reputation unless you get lucky. Yep. Uh, if, but if you do it now while you're still at work, then that's your employment insurance because the connections that come to you, come to me, are are pretty wide and vast and, and important. So uh, I wouldn't wait. I, I know that I know they're coming to you after they're unemployed. But if you're listening to this, don't wait. No, I, I no. That's exactly. You know, I. It, that's where we start the conversation. Right is. Great. I can help you, but I need you to understand the reality of this timeline, that there is not a fast way to get a new executive position. It just takes time. And part of that is that executive recruitment moves slowly. And part of that is that you can't just, you know, log into LinkedIn and pull up a whole giant list of executive jobs to apply for. I mean, there might be some listed there, but Real executive jobs don't get filled that way. They get filled through headhunters, and those headhunters and executive search folks are looking for this type of brand, this type of presence. You're going to get approached for your next role. You don't get to approach them as much. And so you're absolutely right. That all takes time to set up. And so, and it's not something that you get to take your foot off the gas until you're done. When you're in your, you know, terminal position, which sounds awful, but <laughs> the last mm-hmm. position you're going to have at, at, you know, that sort of level. And then after that, you're looking to twilight. Great. And I work with execs that are looking to twilight too. Like, hey, you know, I've been executive of a, a big four for the last 20 years, but now I want to go be a potato farmer. How do I get a potato farm to hire me? And I work with those guys as well. But, you know, in the meantime, is long, until you are where you want to be for the rest of your career, you have to keep this up. You have to keep going. And it's tiring and it's a lot of work um, because the way that the algorithms on all of the social media platforms, including Google, including um, you know LinkedIn, et cetera, are set is that they reward activity. So the moment you take your foot off the gas, the moment you stop posting on LinkedIn, you're going to drop down and quit being one of their top rated people. You're going to stop coming up in searches when people look for somebody in your field, when somebody look, when they look for, uh, as a recruiter or somebody with that skills background, et cetera, you're going to stop coming up because you're no longer active on LinkedIn. And that's when you start to limit yourself. Okay. All right. And let's then talk about why or the end result. Okay. So you do all this, you keep it going. And I agree, you got to keep, unfortunately, you got to keep it going. It's hard to pick back, you know, pick it back up. So when I start and stop, I've started so many channels and I really only focus on three now, but uh, it's hard to get back in the groove of it. And then the algorithm doesn't pick up, uh, pick you up 
either until you, you get back in it for a few months. But let's look at uh, the benefits of doing all this. It's a lot of work, a lot of time uh, and, and, and effort. And so what can people expect from, from doing everything that you suggest? Well, I think that they can expect a lot of different things. You get a lot more choices in your career. Um, like I said, especially as an executive, you, you don't get to go and apply for jobs. So you, the choices you get career-wise at that level are the choices that come to you. And so the better your presence is, the more right things that you've done around creating a personal and executive brand, the more of those opportunities that you're going to have. You get to do fun stuff. You get to go be a panelist on interesting um, I- events. You get to get invited to do TED Talks. You get to do all of the things that you think are cool professionally as well as doing your job. And you get to have more opportunity to find a job that's going to be really genuinely engaging and fulfilling. Okay. And what do you recommend people do about channels. So do you, do you tell them pick a couple of different channels that their customer or their people that would potentially hire them are on? How, yeah. how do you decide which channel you, to choose? Yeah, you can't be everywhere. So, you know, what I start with my clients on is looking at, okay, so what, what is your bandwidth? Like how much time do you have to dedicate to this? And then we also look at where are you looking to punch? Right. So if you're looking for exec at a big four, you need a lot more channel in- input than if you're looking for, you know, a junior executive for an SME. And so we kind of look at what is reality for you? What does all of that need to feel like? Where do you need to pitch it to hit, you know, your target demographic? Um, And then we come up with a plan that works in terms of how much time and and resource are you willing to dedicate to making all of that happen? Because ultimately, you know, if, yeah, you're going to do your job and you're going to do this, but really you're only going to maintain two channels, then great. Let's, you know, maintain the hell out of them. You're better off doing fewer things really, really well than trying to scattershot and doing nothing particularly well. So would you recommend outsourcing at all? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Tell Um, us about that. So I think that I don't think that it is realistic um, with a full-time executive position to really be able to drive your own brand the way you need to. Very few of my executive clients um, who are successful at this manage to do it. And so you have to find somebody that you can work with that you trust because basically they're going to be creating content and therefore publicly speaking for you. They're going to be yes. using your voice and yeah, okay, you get final say on some of it, but you have to find somebody to work with that you trust to, you know, not get you in trouble on Twitter <laughs> to make a LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. post that right. you think is actually, you know, that you think sounds smart and that you think sounds like you. Because if you hire the wrong brand person or somebody who doesn't get you, then when you get into those executive uh, recruitment processes, they're going to look at you and look at your brand and be like, this is just not the same person that walked into the room. So See, this, no- is the, this is the problem I have with outsourcing is that 
I mean, you can't go cheap on, or maybe you have a way and I'm interested in hearing what it is, but you have to be very careful about somebody that understands your voice and, and can respond to industry comments or uh, questions or just creating content for the industry. So how do you go about finding this person? Um, <laughs> uh, there, it's a lot of interviewing process. I mean, the you, you said a minute ago, you can't go cheap, and that is absolutely correct. Don't cheap out on this. It's your voice. It's your, your brand. It's your ongoing professional existence. This is not the thing to skimp on. If you're not going to hire somebody to do it and you want to try to manage it yourself, honestly, there's a whole bunch of apps and tools out there that make it really pretty easy these days. Um, like and what? Those, what do you use? Uh, um, well, I am a glutton for punishment, so I manage my brand myself. <laughs> well, what do. tools do you use? Um, You've got to I, I do, but I, um, like I said, I... Uh, you log into I, each one? I log into each one. Wow. I am that girl. I know, wow. I know. And I tell all my clients not to do it, so I'm terrible <laughs> about not actually taking my own advice. But right. I'm a massive control freak. Um, mm -hmm. And so... But I would say the two easiest ones that I found, um, there's If This Then, uh, which yeah. has been around forever. Uh, but there's another one that's called Buffer that's really good. Um, and it's easy to use. It ties into absolutely everything, and it's not very expensive. Um, and then there's another one called Later. Um, and those are kind of... Those are the three that I recommend that uh, people use. Those are the ones on my radar. Somebody else might know another one, but those are the the three that I know that I've used that I know lots of people that use, and they're all really good, solid apps that make your life pretty easy. Um, I say that you know they don't work well with stuff like TikTok or Clubhouse, but I would say that if you <laughs> Um, there's not a lot of executive branding on TikTok right now. <laughs> and unless you're a very sp specific kind of exec, that's probably not where you want to start your life. Um, so they'll do a great job of managing you on the places that you really care about. Um, and I know, like, for example, uh, Buffer actually engages with LinkedIn as well and later does not. So you can even manage all of your content across um uh, even the LinkedIn platform through this. Uh, have you used Hootsuite at all? I have, and they're fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they're just not my. Yeah, they're not yeah. my. They're not my personal preference. I like the interfaces of these, um, and I like the price point. I think that for my clients, what I always say is, I, I feel like you'd be better off hiring somebody to do like a ghostwriting for some content for you and spending it there. Hootsuite can get a little expensive. Um, and I think, you know, keeping your price point for whatever you're going to use to manage your channels down so that then you can redirect those resources to somewhere that's a better spend. Okay. Okay. All right. And then, uh, kind of my, my last couple of questions revolve around, uh, the type of content you put out there. Uh, do you recommend video or yes. text or audio? What do you, what do you recommend? It depends on my client. So I have some clients that are terrible public speakers. And so I do not encourage them to use video. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, How do you let I them have, know that? 
I say you're a terrible public speaker. <laughs> no, don't you use don't. video. I do. No I am you absolutely. Do. I do. I am. I am not. I don't get paid to be their friend. Uh, I get paid to tell them the truth and help them fix their problem. Okay. And so I. I, I don't think them, I can get away with that, though. <laughs> you, you, you're sweeter than me, so I, I, I don't not. think I can. <laughs> Um, But yeah, it's just about the relationship that you have, right? Like you don't come to me to stroke your ego. Um, And if you do, then you're wasting your money and my time Um, because there's lots of people that will do that for you. People come to me to tell them, how do I parlay a lifetime of experience and knowledge and also ambition into an executive career doing the things that I want to do? And so that question requires some honest evaluation. You have to look at, okay, great. Here's the skill set you have. Here are the skills you're going to need to acquire. Um, And then also here's a skill set you have. So here's how we can start to market that. For people who are really great writers, I recommend white papers. Uh, For people who are less great writers, we do a lot of interview style so I can um, for content for them, I'll often write up a series of questions and then they can do little, you know, two or three sentence re- responses to that, which is the kind of thing that as an executive all the time for like bid documents or, you know, uh, business cases, that sort of thing. So that's the type of writing that they do all day, every day. So they're a lot more comfortable with that rather than turning around and saying, great, why don't you go write 3000 words on this thing that you find interesting? So it's all about finding what the person is like, what, you know, and what speaks to them. If you're funny, be funny. If you are compassionate and that's a big part of what you bring to your role and who you are in a professional world, be compassionate. So I have, you know, one of the execs that I've worked with, uh, who's the healthcare exec, his big passion in life is helping sick kids. And so most of the stuff we did around his brand was looking at the little quiet things that he was already doing within his organizations. And then also him speaking up for other charitable organizations, blood drives, individual causes, et cetera. And that was something he found it really easy to get passionate about It was easy content, but it really built his brand because he was able to say, you know, this is who I am. And if if you don't want to hire a big softy, you probably shouldn't hire him. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, all right. I think this has been fantastic. Is there anything else that you recommend that people listening do before we wrap things up? I think that you have to... Before you start down the branding path, the first thing you have to do is decide who you want to be. And what a lot of people do, what I see people doing wrong over and over and over again, is they copy what everyone else is doing. So, you know, like I said, if I see one more, hey, let's all link in on LinkedIn thing or oh, here's another motivational post because 15 other people have done it. You know, it it just becomes white noise. It's not authentic and it's not what people want to see. It doesn't speak to a recruiter. So decide who you want to be and then be that. 
um, would be my big, my number one piece of advice, I guess. Okay, wonderful. All right. And with that, how do people find you? If they want to look <laughs> you up, they want to find you, they want to hire um, you, they want to complain about you and I, where, where do they find you? Uh, I, I'm always open to questions, comments, doubts, fears, and complaints. Um, I am easily accessible on LinkedIn. My website is www.ohconsulting.com. I'm sure you'll have it in show notes. Yep. Um, uh, and my email as well. Delighted to take um, communication in any of those forms. By all means, seek me out. If you think hey. I'm wrong, I'd love to hear it. And if you think I'm right, I'd love to talk about that too. All right. Just don't send her a video if you're not a public speaker. <laughs> if you're funny or it's a dog video, I'll take dog videos. Always. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Michelle, wonderful having you on the show and uh, have a great week. Thanks, Mark. Thanks.